2017, it's 2023 now. Yeah. So over that six year period, it has substantially changed. Some of the areas are just completely renovated, completely redone. There's a huge flow of money from developers going into like the Blackstone area, the Benson area, uh, so downtown area, the old market area, all of these little hubs that are getting a ton of money pushed into them. And with that, naturally, people want to stay and enjoy those areas. It's, it's becoming a lively place for younger population, and, and that's a huge uh, demand opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when people are thinking about starting investing, we always recommend mm -hmm. starting in your own market. Even if you're in a market like in San Diego where things are, are way more expensive than other places, always look in your market first. Um, but if you're looking to go outside that market, again, the Midwest is uh, definitely attractive. Yeah, you don't see the massive swings up, but you also don't see the massive swings down, right? And that stability is the sexy piece, Absolutely. right? That is what makes the Midwest uh, one of the sexy parts of, <laughs> of the Midwest. Yeah. All right. Oh, wow. Hey, how you doing? Hey, bud. Yeah. Thanks for showing up. Out of rare air. Hey, I'm how you doing? Hey, we were just having a conversation. We want to take a survey, poll, whatever you want to call it. Should the camera that's facing Adam that only shows him, should it be in 4K, you guys think? Or should it be in like 520p so it's pretty blurred out and you don't have to look at that mug? What do you guys think? Type comments in below smash the like button if we should do the lower res so you guys don't have to look at his mug i think it should be augmented reality so like you can actually see my face right here that would be pretty sweet oh. they could listen to our audio and just have our faces right here mainly me maybe it just kind of cuts you out no oh no okay all right stupid idea yeah okay all right moving on yeah there we are so today, buddy, we are going to talk about why is Omaha, Nebraska sexy? Yeah. I don't know if too many people have used Omaha and sexy in the same sentence, but we are today and we're going to try to prove why Omaha is sexy. And even uh, we're going to talk specific to Omaha, but it's really kind of Midwest in general, why we go after the Midwest, why we've chosen the Midwest as, and, and kind of Omaha has been kind of our home base, we'll call it. And then, uh, the ancillary markets from there of why we've continued to, to grow within that, uh, specific area and continue to grow within that area, why we think the Midwest is sexy. And we're using Omaha, Nebraska as kind of our, our use case and specific to be able to share some statistics and, and talk through a city. But a lot of the same uh, fundamentals apply across those Midwest towns and cities that we continue to invest in. Absolutely. So I guess just to start off, um, for us in, in the Midwest, one thing that attracted me to the Midwest was one, obviously from here, grew up here, have family here, whatnot. We moved down to Arizona about 12, 13, 14 years ago, um, and started investing down there. But uh, what was always attracting me back to Nebraska was the affordability of housing back here compared to being, again, down in Phoenix area. It's uh, real estate was a fraction of the price down there was buying, down in Arizona was buying three, four, five hundred thousand dollars houses to flip 
at those price points, you really can't cash flow those for rentals at all. So your main strategy down there was flipping to where back in Nebraska, back at that time, the medium house price was probably just kind of making this up, probably 200,000. So a fraction of what the cost was in, in Arizona and they had cheaper houses. They had houses that were, I bought for 15, 20, $30,000 and places you could actually cash flow down here. So mm -hmm. coming back to Nebraska and really looking at it, one thing that was really attractive for me was again, affordability. And I've said this uh, before as when I was getting out of the Arizona market a bit or starting to sell stuff off uh, to invest more in Nebraska, one of the last pieces of property I sold was just a small little condo in, in Phoenix, sold that guy. And with the proceeds from that one condo was able to buy five houses back here in Omaha with it. So <laughs> that started to really explode the cash flow of my rental portfolio and also helped start the snowball effect of growing that rental portfolio quite a bit was cheap, cheap houses more or less. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that aggregate, um, when you look at like, for instance, I'm, I'm from San Diego. So to buy a single family house, you're in the upper hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? You're might be 700 to a mill, uh, if not more for a property and your rent would be higher, but what you can go buy in Omaha, you could cash flow significantly more. Uh, you may not be able to cash flow in, in a place like California and long-term rent. It's really, really difficult to cash flow in California. Whereas you come out here and you're cash flowing left and right because you just picked up, uh, my first house was bought through you three bedroom, one bath actually good. and, uh, bought it for, for 63 grand, got a mortgage on it for 50. Yeah. And so I was only in for 13, 15 grand, something like that when you had it added in the closing costs. So, and you recently sold that guy too. I did. I did. So after five years, uh, sold it for 140 K and I was cash flowing during that time period. I had rented. Uh, right around a grand and increase that up to when I sold is about like 1150. Uh, so 1150. That was all because, all because of me too. Uh, yeah, you were a sucker and, and we're selling off just gems and deals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for teeing it up for me. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for giving me some money after you sold on me. I really appreciate the thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it must've been lost in the mail. I, I sent you a, a package of money, but it just a, a package of money. Yeah. It was a package. Um, but yeah. maybe I'll just, I will send you some lollipops or something. I know you've been into that lately. So. <laughs> Got me. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Um, so anyway, I mean, you look at Omaha, for instance, um, medium, median home price, $221,000. Uh, as of a, a few years ago. Yeah. As within the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and then you look at median rent for a three bedroom, um, house is right around 1500 bucks 1495 so which has exploded the last really and then this is kind of the same way across the u.s but omaha in particular uh that same three-bedroom house from from my personal experience two or three years ago depend again things depend where your house is at quality of the house things like that but um in the specific areas i'm in in omaha that three-bedroom house let's say two or three years ago was probably thousand bucks Mm -hmm. hundred bucks, sure. With the d demand growing for rental properties, especially quality rental properties, now yeah, it's easy to get fourteen, fifteen, even 
1600 bucks in that same area that I'm in just because demand's gone up so much. Yeah, absolutely. So that cash flow ends up significantly impacting your overall profitability and yeah. uh, being able to pay the loan down quicker or go rinse and repeat and go buy other properties. So or stuff, yeah. Um, yeah, that that just uh, margin that you can make and cash flow that you can make out here is just something completely different night and day than what on the, the West Coast, for instance, right? Absolutely. So yeah, when you were uh, starting to look at markets to invest, and obviously we connected fairly early on in, in that process, but mm -hmm. what were some of the other things that attracted you to Midwest and Omaha per se? Yeah, one of the things that I look for is strong job market. What are the roles, what are the jobs in the area that are gonna be able to continue to support uh, the demand for rent along with continued increases in um, rent each month. So if you have high paying jobs, naturally they're gonna be looking to to put that into where they're living and feel comfortable and happy with where they're at. And so with that, you end up with uh, higher income opportunities when you have higher income earners. That's a really big important piece. If people in the area don't really have money, uh, you're not gonna be able to fetch the highest returns and the, the highest rental income through that that area, right? Yeah, and kind of going back to the affordability piece too, there's starting to be a lot of bigger companies coming to Omaha and establishing their headquarters here and or building like Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, or building a monster facility, Amazon, same thing, monster facilities down here. And a big thing that's attracting people is um, one, the affordability housing, and then two, uh, the talent that's back here. We have some great universities back here. Yeah. And the median age is, is a younger demographic. So when these companies are coming in or analyzing spots to put their headquarters or build new facilities, uh, the Midwest is has been a big growth for that because of those factors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are seven Fortune 500 companies in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, it's wild. So it's uh, considering a- Considering how small Omaha Yeah, yeah. It's just under 500,000 people. Omaha itself. Omaha itself. So- uh, to have that big of companies and that much, uh, let's say, money in that that area is significant and insignificant to the overall housing market yeah. uh, and rental market. So that's an attractive piece for sure. Um, you mentioned on on universities, there's always a, a flow of talent. So people that are going through school, but also people are continuing to come into the area naturally through school. And guess what? They also want to just stay and live where they just went to school or not go too far from there. So there's a natural flow of people coming in that if you don't have the university, it's not necessarily so natural of people, uh, oh, I just, you know, I'm going to school, I'm going to Omaha, I travel into the area, and now I want to stay after uh, kind of naturally because I went to school here, my friends are here, there's businesses here that are recruiting. All of that supports the overall economy. Yeah, and even though enrollment in colleges has, has been going down the last few years, <laughs> colleges in, in Omaha, Lincoln, whatnot. So you have Creighton is a big one in Omaha, <laughs> University of Nebraska, Omaha, University of Nebraska of Lincoln. Um, over the years, those guys have been expanding quite a bit and if you haven't been to some of those universities in the last four or five years, you would go and walk on campus. And for me, I, there was a Creighton, I hadn't been to Creighton for a long time, then went on campus and dude, my mind was blown how much they bought up and how much new stuff they're building. 
Uh, so yeah, they're definitely growing and bringing in more and more talent into the Midwest. And like you're saying, a lot of these people are, are starting to stay. And that was an issue a, a while ago is, um, Nebraska, at least in some of these areas, people would go to the universities and then they'd jet out, out of state because there's better job opportunities out of state. But now with all these bigger companies here and bigger companies moving here, you're seeing a lot, a lot more retention of people staying here. Yeah. And you can just drive around Omaha and see the development happening and has happened ever since I've been traveling here consistently since 2017, it's 2023 now. Yeah. So over that six year period, it has substantially changed. Some of the areas are just completely renovated, completely redone. There's a huge flow of money from developers going into like the Blackstone area, the Benson area. Uh, so downtown area, the old market area, all of these little hubs that are getting a ton of money pushed into them. And with that, naturally, people want to stay and enjoy those areas. It's it's becoming a lively place for younger population. And, and that's a huge uh, demand opportunity. Yeah. So I know another thing that attracted you since we talked about it a little bit beforehand was the landlord tenant laws here compared to Oh, places like California yeah. and whatnot, if you want to touch on that a bit. Yeah, it's um, night and day different from California. And you hear horror stories of not being able to get people out of your house. It It <laughs> is so tenant friendly that people were, um, COVID was one of those scenarios, but even pre and post COVID, uh, it is a challenge to get people, long-term renters out of your house. Um, just at the fact that somehow it turns into, even when they're not paying you, oh, but this is their house and this is where they need to live. It's like, well, actually it's my house and you're not paying me rent. And there's this perception that it just drives me nuts of, of like all oh, this kind of like wealthy, big, bad landlord sort of situation. And in reality, most landlords are actually just I'll call them mom and pa landlords. Just have a few properties. A few properties. Maybe they inherited a property and now it's a rental or they moved and they're using that as a rental. And when you don't have the income, you still have to pay your mortgage. Yeah. It's not like, oh, the mortgage said, oh, okay, I'm I'm good since you're not getting any rent. Like the bank says, ah, yeah, you know what? Like we're good. Yeah. We're good. And, and there's no interest if you are pushing out payments or anything like that. It's fine. California says it's fine for the tenant not to pay. So why not uh, you just not pay me too, right? It seems silly. Mm. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it's ridiculous. So uh, there's a lot more friendly tenant landlord laws uh, or landlord laws to get tenants out that you need out here in Nebraska than in California. It's night and day different. Yeah. As of right now, things always change all the time, especially after COVID, things have changed up a bit. But as of now, you can serve a tenant a seven-day notice if they haven't paid rent. You serve them a seven-day notice. Um, there's some things in there to where you got to prove that they've received it and whatnot. So that seven days is really kind of 10 days. After that 10 days, then you can file eviction. Mm -hmm. And right now the courts are about a couple of weeks out from going uh, from here in court cases involving eviction. So really in the, in the scheme of things, you're looking at roughly, let's say three weeks by the time um, you give the notice and then you can actually go to court to evict the person. So let's say three to four weeks, you can evict a tenant out if they're not paying or whatever they're in violation of lease of where states like California, that can easily be, like you said, four, five, six months, a year. And it seems like California hears some of those stories and this is kind of anywhere, but the tenants, some tenants know how to work 
the laws and somehow, let's say, I don't know what California uh, eviction laws are, but let's say it's, it's on average takes three or four months to get somebody out. Some tenants just know how to work the system to where, hey, it's three or four months, but I'm going to work it and I'm going to be here at least a year. And, and like you said, for for just mom and pa investors, that, dude, that can crush you. That can literally either bankrupt you, wipe out your retirement. It's huge. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, disastrous. One of the key reasons I went with short-term rental uh, in San Diego, along with just profitability within short-term rental, but there's a lot less risk of dealing with squatters and and some of those uh, challenges with short-term rental than and in tenant tenant laws, tenant rights of being this is my primary house, my residence yeah. uh, in long-term rent compared to short-term rent. It's hey, you're there coming for vacation. You really have no rights of staying in here. Yeah. Get out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You haven't paid me. Get out of my house. It should be. It shouldn't really be that easy. Right. It should yeah. be pretty basic and simple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess kind of going back, um, we had talked about as well the financial stability within the Midwest. Uh, maybe want to touch on that a little bit of like what you saw during, for instance, uh, the, the 08 crash uh, in comparison to what, let's say the, the West and East coast saw on the, you know, outsides of, of the U S Midwest was pretty stable. Yeah. That was a, a big catalyst, honestly, for me to take a harder look at investing in the Midwest because it was so stable was back again down in 2008 when shit was hitting the fan and, uh, values plummeted in, in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, 30, 40, 50% where literally you would be in a house that's valued at, let's say 300,000. And within a matter of few weeks, you would start to have foreclosures popping up and these foreclosures were selling for 100,000, 150,000. So your values plummeted, the equity you had in houses disappeared. And it was, it was pretty wild. There was houses that were selling for 20, 30, $40,000 um, during the recession that are now worth $300,000. So it was, it was a fire, fire sale and things were, things were bad where in the Midwest, again, having ties back here really wasn't deep in the market, um, here in, in Nebraska by any means, but having ties back here and, and talking with people, Nebraska really didn't get hit at all. Values really didn't go down. They definitely weren't going up. Um, but they stayed steady and, and that's a, that's huge. You can go from having a, a rental portfolio, let's say in the Southwest at that time, um, having a rental portfolio worth millions of dollars to within a few weeks, months, whatever that was, to being upside down, having to fire sell everything, getting stuff foreclosed on. And really all those, all that time that you build up that portfolio, your wealth has disappeared and you're in a completely different financial situation compared to in the Midwest. Again, things were appreciating, but at least you're able to maintain what you had. So for me, that was a, a huge catalyst being like, oh man, this, everything's cyclical. I'm not saying we're going to see something like that again. Lending standards are way different back in the day, which had a big reason why we got to the point where we're at, but things are cyclical. So at some point in time, stuff's going to, values potentially will be going down in certain areas. Mm -hmm. You see this rampant increase in, in housing prices over the last four, five, six years. Appreciation's kind of gone bonkers again. And in certain areas where Midwest, sometimes you don't have that appreciation like you would maybe in the Southwest. Mm -hmm. Stuff is definitely appreciated back here and values have, have continued to go up. But 
um, again, when, when stuff starts at the fan again, being in the Midwest and having a concentration of rentals here, you'll definitely be safeguarded a bit compared to other markets. Yeah. You don't see the massive swings up, but you also don't see the massive swings down. Right. And that stability is the sexy piece. Right. That is what makes the Midwest uh, one of the sexy parts of of the Midwest. Yeah. Anything uh, additional there that you're thinking about? Uh, Otherwise, maybe what are some of your your key takeaways? For me is a takeaway would be, again, kind of going back to affordability. Probably said it a hundred times this episode, but I think just, again, in the Midwest in general, it often gets overlooked. Nebraska is often called a flyover state where you're not really going to Nebraska. You're flying over Nebraska to go to somewhere else. And that's applicable for a lot of places in the Midwest. But really, at the end of the day, the the affordability, it's so much easier to get started in real estate and or if you're wanting to build a rental portfolio of, let's say, single-family houses. It's so much, I don't want to say easier is the right word because there's a lot of work that goes into it. But yeah, um, the entry, the barrier of entry is a lot lower just because of those price points to get in there. So yeah, yeah. when people are thinking about starting investing, we always recommend starting your own market. Even if you're in a market like in San Diego where things are, are way more expensive than other places, always look in your market first. Um, but if you're looking to go outside that market, again, the Midwest is uh, definitely attractive. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, that barrier of entry is is an important piece of, of that. And what's your strategy? What are you trying to do? Then, then the cash flow. It's... Uh, just so significant, significantly different the numbers when you're looking at a property that you buy it. Mine was 63 grand when I bought that first, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm cash flowing a few hundred dollars a month. I'm watching the whole process, learning the whole process. And I could slip up in certain areas and I'm comfortable, I'm happy. The property, if it went down a little bit, I hold on to it because it's cash flowing. Yeah. If I'm banking everything on appreciation, uh, or if I'm so tight on on the overall cash flow, it's tough for me to then sit and wait for the market to turn. As you mentioned, it's cyclical. So if things went down a little bit, to me, when I'm cash flowing, I don't care. Yeah. It can go down twenty percent. Yeah. The, my home value. Yeah. As long as I'm cash flowing because I, I won't sell. I'll hold on to it because I know it's going to go up and do well for me. And, and when it's uh, gone up now 20% again, 40% overall, uh, then maybe that's the time for me. And all of that time, I'm continuing to collect rents, pay down my mortgage, yeah. all of that. Yeah, I think you saying strategy is definitely another big benefit is being, a ha- being able to have multiple extra strategies when you're looking at a certain investment again mm-hmm. when you're in different markets let's say southwest california when you're at those higher price points like i said earlier you can't really cash flow that to where if you're buying a hundred thousand dollar property here in nebraska you can cash or if you're trying to go in let's say let's flip that property but something goes wrong you can't flip it it's out of budget mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to flip well now you have a backup to where more than likely you can probably cash flow that thing a bit and have the debts be paid down and sell it in the future so Again, going back to affordability gives you more exit strategies when you're looking at investments. Yeah. Like for instance, it took you six months. Maybe it was end of last year where all of a sudden rates got jacked up Yeah, and you didn't see that coming. You were flipping it, planning to flip. And all of a sudden you realize, oh crap, like I'm going to be underwater. I'm going to lose a bunch of money on this flip. 
Well, why not just rent it out and refi in? And if you've had hard money or, or private money or something like that, that uh, use a longer term um, loan and then cash flow on it. And we'll call it wait on the sideline until the time is right. And that that's now your new exit strategy. So yeah, yeah you're right. Coming to the table with multiple exit strategies is uh, important. <laughs> yeah, critical. Yeah. Awesome, man. Cool, but you sounded halfway decent. Thank you. Appreciate it. People might think you might be smart. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I'll think so. <laughs>